Tyler Smith here with another More Than One Lesson mini-sode. I feel like we haven't done one of these in a while. Um, we are going to be talking about uh, the best picture of 1961. Uh, but before we do that, I wanted to remind everybody that uh, September 24th in Artesia, California is Alpha OmegaCon. Uh, so if you go to alphaomegacon.com, you can find out more of the details as far as address and that sort of thing. Uh, but I'm going to be there uh, as a function of more than one lesson. I will have a table all set up. Uh, but then also, uh, I believe the times uh, have been posted. I believe I will be doing my Rethinking Horror podcast, uh, not podcast, uh, panel uh, at 11 a.m. And then I will be doing the uh, Dark Knight Trilogy panel at 3 p.m. So uh, I'm very excited about that. Uh, some, of the, uh, some of our guests and uh, some of our hosts will be there as well. Uh, Reed will be there. Jason will be there. Uh, so, yeah, come on out if you're in the Southern California area. Come to Alpha OmegaCon. Not just for us, but for there are other panels that are that are looking pretty good. And uh, I just got a – they just emailed me about the, the, the exhibitors that will be there. And, yeah, I'm, I'm very excited. Uh, I really like what Alpha OmegaCon is doing. I really like the, the general attitude that has been going on there. Uh, and it's something that I am – all, that I always want to be a part of, frankly. So, uh, yeah, check that out. Uh, and in the meantime, uh, you can listen to me right now. That was I didn't know how to end that. Uh, with my co-host, Josh Long. Josh, how you doing? Hi, good. We are talking about the best picture of 1961. Okay. And that is... Is that what we're talking about? What, what, what is the movie? Uh, you started singing a song from a moment ago. Did I? Yeah. Well, you turn the title into oh. a song. <laughs> it's a song now. Yeah. And um, how did that song go? I don't remember. <laughs> okay. I'm going to say I don't remember. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the film's called West Side Story. That's right. West Side Story. West Side Story. Which one is it? Uh, the emphasis seems to be on story. S yeah. West, West Side, Side Story. story. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. West Side Story. West Side Story. Now it's like there's a side yeah, story it could be, out west. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. Or... If you put the emphasis on West Side Story, it makes it sound like there's an East Side Story floating around yeah. out there somewhere, which oh, maybe these, there is. Yeah, these musicals are at war. <laughs> East Side, West Side Stories. Um, mm. So I recently rewatched this movie, and I believe I'm, I'm on record as saying that West Side Stories probably was my favorite movie musical. Hmm. Upon watching it again, and I haven't seen it since, I think, high school. Oh, wow. Uh, upon watching it again, I can safely say that is not the case. Mm -hmm. um, not because the movie is bad, but for some story reasons that I'll talk about in a moment. Um, I think I can. I think at this point I'm comfortable saying Sound of Music is my favorite. Uh, either that or Cabaret. Mm -hmm. um, I do like Cabaret a lot. Um, 
which I also rewatched recently. Yeah, I I love that one. And then when I rewatched Sound of Music for this for this mm-hmm. podcast, it's like this this movie's great. Um, yeah. So West Side Story, directed by uh, Robert Wise and officially Jerome Robbins, who is yeah. the choreographer, yeah. basically. Um, you know, and it's worth knowing that Robert Wise was willing to share credit with him because mm-hmm. I think he realized. Mm, a lot of dancing, and I'm not really into that. So <laughs> I guess, uh, I guess whoever comes up with that is important. Yeah. Um, based on the musical by uh, Arthur Lorenz and Jerome Robbins. Uh, so when is the last time you saw it? I saw it uh, fairly recently on the big screen, actually. Oh, nice. Um, which was great, and not only that, but uh, Russ Tamblin. Who plays oh, uh, plays Riff in the film was was there and talked afterwards about his some of his experiences on the film yeah. and, and that stuff, which was really cool. Yeah, uh, a number of the actors from that movie are still around. Yeah, George Shakir's um, is still around. He was supposed to be at the screening that we uh, had, to, but he actually didn't because of health reasons. So, that's um, but uh, Richard Boehmer, Rita Moreno's still alive, isn't yeah. she? Yeah, she was on uh, Oz for a while. Yeah, and Richard Boehmer, we know who that is. Yeah. He's uh, he was on Twin Peaks as as was Russ Tamblin. Yeah, and I think they're, I think they're both going to be back for the, the, the Tamblin is for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think they are both going to be back. Yeah, I'm very excited for I'm I'm excited and curious. Me too. I can't wait. I think it's going to be fantastic, especially because it seems like even in his older age, you know, some filmmakers as they get a little bit older. They mellow out some, yeah. and, and they're you know they they have other things on their mind, and they're not you know they don't seem to have the same fire that they did as young people. Yeah. And David Lynch still seems to be a wild and crazy guy. Yeah, what does it look like for David Lynch to settle down? I guess the yeah. straight story. I guess he got it out of his system in 1999. <laughs> Maybe early and on, then moved so on to now. Mulholland Drive. Yeah, because you see, even now, like he's he hasn't he hasn't done a film for a little while. Was Inland Empire his last film? I think film? it was his last film. That's, almost, that's 10 years ago. Now. So that was a while ago. But he's been doing uh, a lot of visual art in the meantime. And if you go and check some of that out, it's uh, pretty wacky. So, uh, And he's got some big uh, festival coming up here in L.A. pretty soon, actually. It's called like Lynch Fest or something. And he posted this thing on uh, on uh, Facebook and you know social media places advertising it. And it's appropriately... Lynchian in a of way course. that I in the way that I love. Um, Bond that we're talking about David Lynch now. Uh, we should move uh, back to uh, West Side Story. Um, okay, so you saw it recently. Yes. I, d- uh, I feel like seeing it on the big screen would probably be wonderful. It was, and it was. Uh, it had been a long time since I'd seen it, so that was a good way to to re-see it for sure. And um, I remembered so many of the visual things that I really love about it. Um, a lot of the use of color and, yeah. uh, for some reason, you know what, this is, this is never one of the ones that people talk about that I know of. Maybe I guess I haven't read extensively on the film, but the, um, uh, like the dance that they all go to, like the, yeah. the, the, with John Aston. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which that character is delightful. Yeah. Um, but uh, 
Something about the color in that one specifically. And the, I'm, I'm sure people talk about kind of the dream sequence that they go into yeah. there. But so much of that is is beautiful and, and very well. We, we forget how challenging it is to do things like that in the early 60s now that every everything is digital and special yeah. effects are kind of the click of a button. But something like that sequence took, took a lot of hard work to be able to engineer and do. Robert Wise is a director... It, I said this when we talked about the sound of music is that he's a director that just maybe there's a journeyman quality to him, but at the same time, he's so dependable. He made, you know, the day the earth stood still, he made the setup mm -hmm. and uh, he made the, the first star Trek movie, which yeah. admittedly is only so, so, but at the same time, if you look at, if you look at it from the standpoint of like hard sci-fi instead of adventure, yeah. I think it stands up fine. Um, and then making these two movies, which, uh, you know, making this and Sound of Music, which are so, so different than, you know, The Day the Earth Stood Still. Yeah. It's just, he's, he's a remarkably versatile filmmaker. And the thing that struck me most in watching this from a filmmaking standpoint is actually the first 10 minutes. Hmm. And how, first off, there's no, really no dialogue. Yeah. Uh, the camera is very active. It's mm -hmm. moving along, and you know you get a sense of who the jets are, who the sharks are, and there's just this constant ebb and flow of oh, there's there's only one shark walking down the street, and a bunch of jets are getting him. Oh, but now there's more sharks that show up, and they mm -hmm. go after them. But here's some more just and just this. It really sums up more so than honestly some of the songs for me. It really sums up visually and musically. Um, the, the nature of what this struggle is. Yeah. It's just a constant ebb and flow. And it sets it up that within the context of this film, that struggle is going to be shown stylistically. Yeah. Like through this sort of dance thing. And then I think that's a great way to start it because then it gets that suspension of disbelief thing out of the way right at the beginning. It's not like if you were to get halfway into that movie and there was about to be a conflict and suddenly the conflict was through dance, you would be like, all right, I, I guess I yeah. see what they're doing, but this kind of takes me out of it. Whereas from the beginning, this shows you like that's what this world is. That is a great that is a great thing to bring up because as I was watching it in that opening sequence when they just start to dance a little bit, but it's like they're dancing as they're walking. Mm -hmm. I remember just just kind of my my shoulders hunched just a little bit, and I just like, oh right, yeah. And it's almost as though Robert Wise understood that the audience, maybe not so much at the time, but maybe even maybe even then, which is people are going to have this reaction. When they see people dancing, they're going to have this reaction. Might as well do it here. As opposed to, as you said, uh, in the midst of, a, of you know, the rumble or something like that, mm -hmm. where we, we need to be wrapped up in the drama we need to be wrapped up in the in the story and the characters and we can't we we can't be taken out of it by like oh yeah these guys are dancing all of a sudden mm -hmm. it needs to happen early it needs to happen when the stakes are somewhat low and when he's he's literally setting up everything including how the movie's going to be made yeah um yeah i that first sequence really struck me but yeah the the, the dance sequence is really solid and um and I like the rumble part as well. Uh, some of those songs are are really great. Um, I have a tough time with some of the 
you know, with that song like, uh, you know, In America, I think is what it's called, where it's yeah. the, the, the Puerto Rican uh, women that are singing it. Um, that falls into my standard problem with musicals, which is you have characters, you have people singing in character, but the characters themselves can't really sing. And so you're hearing music that is not actually that pleasant to your ear. It plays a story function and plays a character function, but it's not that it's not fun to listen to. At least that's how I <laughs> approach it sometimes. And that song really, I find that song grating and annoying. Not really. Um, but there's a lot of other songs. Uh, the song, that song somewhere I think is marvelous. Mm -hmm. um, but I will say this, uh, the thing that really got me uh, in, a, in a negative way is that as fully realized as the relationship between the Jets and the Sharks is, the relationship between Tony and Maria is not, in my mm. opinion. I feel like, you know, because this is, this is kind of a, a I was going to say a riff, there's a character named Riff, but this, <laughs> this movie is kind of a riff on Romeo and Juliet. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's fine. But imagine if Romeo and Juliet spent just as much time with Tybalt and Lord Capulet um, and Benvolio as it does with Romeo and Juliet, if not more. Uh, that's what it feels like this movie does. Like there's, you know, I recognize why you would want to keep that Officer Krupke song, but when it comes right down to it, it's just the Jets are singing about the, and Tony's not even there. Uh, the Jets are singing about this cop that they don't like. And, you know, I remember when you were talking about The Sound of Music and that you were familiar with the musical itself and that you knew about the songs that they cut out. And I actually, maybe they did cut more songs out of West mm. Side Story, but it felt like as far as streamlining what is essentially, what, what is meant to be the story itself, which is the story of these, you know, star-crossed lovers and all that, um, it felt like they could have done that a little bit better because there's a few songs that are that are hanging on. They're fun, and I understand why you would want them because they involve large groups. But I don't know. Anytime it cut back to Maria and Tony, I was just like, "Oh yeah, I forgot about them." Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. Is that a thing that that struck you at all as you were watching it? Or um, I mean, I've always felt like their their relationship doesn't doesn't feel real strong. Um, but I feel like I chalk that up to a problem that we see in a lot of movies pre like probably seventies, mm -hmm. um, where two characters fall in love and now we're just, it's, we're just meant to move on knowing these people are deeply in love with each other and, and want to marry each other. Like that's, that's just where we are at this point. Um, so I, I don't love that and I always kind of notice that, but because it is a staple, especially in more older movies, and especially in the 40s and 50s, you know, these people met two days ago and they're getting married. Yeah. Um, well, life expectancy, expectancy was like 29 <laughs> years back then. I mean, a Nazi could shoot you at any minute. Exactly. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so I feel like that doesn't bother me that much, but I, I do notice it and I, I do feel like there's not a whole lot of depth to their relationship and and uh yeah honestly because um <laughs> i almost feel like tony and maria in some ways are the least interesting characters no question about it it's worth film. noting that this film won best supporting actor and i think best supporting actress 
but the two leads were not nominated. Yeah, yeah, no, because Rita, Rita Moreno, because she, she's uh, she's got the EGOT, and I'm pretty sure that's oh, okay. where she got her Oscar was for this one. I don't think it's for something else. Um, but uh, but yeah, um, and I guess strictly speaking, in Romeo and Juliet, though I think we do spend a lot more time with them. An argument could be made that they are also the least interesting characters between Mercutio it, and Tybalt. And, yeah, you know. it could be. And and also an argument could be made that not much time passes between their meeting and their falling deeply and, and utterly in love. But then again, they're supposed to be like 15. Right. And also, and that's the thing, is that's why I think spending time is so important. Mm-hmm. Is because it's like, okay, you're already asking me to buy a lot and that they're falling in love so quickly but at least show some of that progression. Mm. Whereas this, like there's really no progression at all, but I guess visually, you know, like that, like during the dance, um, like this, like the, the, the community center dance, not all the other dances. Mm. Um, and it goes into this moment where they just see each other, like, and it's, it's visually represented very in a very strong and distinct way. So I guess moments like that, it's sort of show that, all right, we're going to try and do a lot with very little screen time, uh, mm-hmm. and we'll try and do it visually and stylistically. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that was something that uh, that was something that I didn't not, didn't realize until watching it again is just how how much of an afterthought, story wise and character wise, their relationship mm-hmm. feels. But I think. I think an argument could be made that the the point of the film is much less about the uh, the the romance as it is about the conflict between these groups and yeah. specifically kind of turning uh, uh, taking a familiar conflict in the Romeo and Juliet story and looking at that through the through the lens of of modern day racism. So what you're saying is. In Romeo and Juliet, the conflict between the Capulets and the Montagues are meant to create, first off, a central conflict, but Mm -hmm. also a general atmosphere, whereas with West Side Story, we're already so familiar with, you know, with Romeo and Juliet as a story that actually, it just sort of banks on our familiarity with it and uses that as an entry point to actually further explore the conflict. That's interesting. And I got that a little bit more this last time watching it because I forgot how much it kind of really deals with the racism. And it seems like the reason that they hate each other is that specifically. Um, And even types of, uh, even aspects of racism that are still kind of poignant today, like the, the, um, uh, the jets come from low, you know, low income families. They're, you know, in a bad part of town and feeling like, no, this is our place. You don't get to come in and be just as respected as we are, like, because yeah. you don't belong here. Well, and also something that I had forgotten, and maybe I, maybe I wasn't, uh, maybe I'm misreading it, but uh, not Officer Krupke, but Detective Shrank. Yeah. Play, played by, played by the, played by the second. Um, really? <laughs> yeah. I was like, I know that guy, and I seem to recall him explaining something. Um, 
there's a scene where he's talking to the Jets. Now, I, I see this character as just wanting peace all around, which mm-hmm. he does. But as he's talking to the Jets, he makes it clear, I'm with you. Yeah. Which I find fascinating. Yeah, he's like, j- just give completely. me a reason to to get these yeah. like Puerto Rican slime balls out of here and I'll yeah. do it. Yeah, and uh, yeah, that was an element that had eluded me uh, over the years. Mm. Uh, I'm, I'm sure when I saw it in, in high school, I'm sure it was very, very much in the forefront. But mm. over time, it was just like, yeah, the Jets versus the Sharks. And I know that the Sharks are Puerto Rican, and I think that was it. But, like, mm-hmm. no, this is a big thing yeah. in this film. And you were, yeah, the, we get further away from it, and we remember, we remember the dancing, and we remember the Romeo and Juliet thing, and, you know, some of that stuff. But uh, as far as, and and maybe that's a failing of the movie, honestly, that the, that the themes of it don't seem to stick with us as much as the other stuff does. I don't know. It's hard to say. But Yeah, but honestly, like, It's not 1961. Yeah. You know, it's possible that, you know, Gentleman's Agreement, uh, which I haven't seen, or Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. uh, Now, that's a movie that, because it's so much about its themes, that's a movie that has, I think, become inessential over the years. Mm -hmm. The thing that has remained essential about West Side Story artistically is the dancing and that sort of thing. And so the idea of what it was... You know, maybe maybe uh, the themes that it was it was exploring were scandalous at the time. Maybe mm-hmm. people were just like, "Oh yeah, I never thought about that." Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, you know, given the conversations that we have so regularly now, it's just a very standard discussion. But maybe at the time it wasn't, and so that does not seem like as big of a deal to us. But the dancing is something we don't see very often, so that's what sticks with us now. Um, so yeah, it could be that, and I guess now I thinking about it in 1968 and th- uh, 61, and thinking about movies like, you know, In the Heat of the Night, and Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, yeah. and just, you know, movies wanting to take on more social concepts, um, you know, and that that this is a movie that that doesn't hide it, but it uses not merely uh the structure and trappings of a musical but also a story that we're very familiar, familiar with which yeah. is Romeo and Juliet. Uh yeah, that's interesting. I don't think I had thought of it that way before. Uh and that does, you know what? That does make me like it more now. Um because <laughs> I was definitely viewing that as a as a failing. Um it would I do still think it would be nice if Romeo and Juliet as character as sorry, as Tony and Maria's Tony, characters yeah. were more dynamic. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. But, you know, that happens. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's not at all uncommon no, for the it, supporting characters in almost any movie to be, yeah. be more interesting. And especially with romances. I mean, yeah. I feel like that's kind of a, that's almost a, a staple of your, your stereotypical romantic comedy is that the romance stuff is there and that's fine and that's important for the movie, but the stuff that you remember and the stuff that you like about it is the surrounding characters, yeah. you know, and that, that's why they become such an integral part of so many romantic comedies. Um, all right. Oh, go ahead. Something else I was going to say, but I think I lost it. I'm sorry. I interrupted you. No, no, that's all right. So the film won Best Picture, Supporting Actor for George Shakiris, uh, Supporting Actress for Rita Moreno, Best Director, Cinematography, Art Direction, Costume Design, Sound Editing, music, uh, and Music. And it was nominated for Adapted Screenplay. Um, 
so it's the, pretty good. Yeah, you know what? Did all right. <laughs> um, the other best picture nominees were Fanny, which I haven't seen, The Guns of Navarone, which I have not seen, The Hustler, and Judgment at Nuremberg. Uh, now you smiled just now when I said Guns Guns of. Oh, I wrote Nazarene. That's weird. <laughs> that's um, why. <laughs> that's weird. Because I was looking at, it, I was like, I was, I was of, raising the church, the Nazarene. Maybe it's yeah. just muscle memory. Uh, <laughs> it's like, Guns of Nazarene. I don't know that one, but uh, I kind of want to see that movie. <laughs> just like, uh. yeah, that denomination came about uh, in a very violent way. Um, or it's just Jesus, like, sure, yeah, coming off the cross with AK forty sevens. No, I like to think that it's like we we call Jesus the Gun of Nazarene, um, but. Uh, but yeah, so um, yeah, I haven't seen Guns of Navarone. I haven't seen Fanny. I have seen The Hustler and Judgment at Nuremberg. Ha- which of these have you seen? I haven't seen any of those movies. You haven't seen any of them. I know. All right. And I really, I, I really need to see Judgment at Nuremberg. I just Nuremberg. got it on Blu-ray. Yeah. And I started watching it. In, in as I was thinking about this, I mm-hmm. just started rewatching it, and uh, I'd be happy to lend it to you because I think you would enjoy. It. I also own The Hustler. Yeah, I've wanted to see The Hustler for a while. Um, that's one of those ones that every time I think of it, I'm like, oh yeah, I'd like to see that. But it, it's never a, a pressing thing so much. But Judgment at Nuremberg has been coming up yeah. a bunch of times recently. And I'm like, I just really need to see that movie. And then it screened somewhere here in town fairly recently. Oh. It was within the last few months. Maybe it wasn't super recently, but I missed it. And I was like... Yeah, it's... Ah. In throwing it in, first off, it's a beautiful transfer on Blu-ray. But um, yeah, I think... Having not seen Fanny or Guns of Navarone... Um, I think I would, I'd probably just because of who I am, I think I prefer Judgment at Nuremberg. Mm. Um, But West Side Story, it's, it's a fine best picture. I I don't have any beef with that. Um, Mm. You know, if you think of like what a movie is meant to be, um, you know, Judgment at Nuremberg is, it's three hours long. It's a huge cast. It's, it's tackling big things. Um, You know, it's, it's shot very well. It's a really nice use of black and white photography, really interesting art direction. Um, and in marvelous performances, like it's it's everything that that a best picture should be, um, but there's not a whole lot of spectacle to it. It's mostly yeah. just people talking, and it's done really well. Stanley right. Kubrick, solid solid director. Mm-hmm. Um, but West Side Story has spectacle uh, and a w- beautiful use of color, as you mm-hmm. said. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think it does some stuff that that uh, Judgment at Nuremberg doesn't. Um, you know, if it had been one or the other, I'm fine with it. And as much as I do really, really like The Hustler, and The Hustler is a very special movie in a lot of ways, um, you know, I just I don't think it it bears comparing to these other two movies. And mm-hmm. so, um, so yeah, I'm I'm fine with West Side Story winning. And I guess you don't really have an opinion in this case. You're I fine know. with it winning because why not? Yeah. Uh, what we can do is we can look at the other notable 1961 releases. Um, there's a few, you know, I, I tried to write down ones that really jump out, uh, movies like The Absent-Minded Professor, which was not really, uh, in the running for Best Picture. I, I always forget. Okay. Absent-Minded Professor is Fred McMurray Fred and McMurray Flubber. And Flubber. Okay. <laughs> Nutty Professor is, is Jerry, Jerry Lewis and Buddy Love. Got right. it. <laughs> um, but you've got Breakfast at Tiffany's, you have King of Kings, Last Year at Marionbad. Um, you have, uh, the innocence, which I, 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 I'm glad you wrote that on there. Cause I was thinking about that movie today and I couldn't remember what it was called. Oh, okay. Um, which it, that's a, that's a 
That's a good horror movie. That would be a... I, I've never seen it. It's funny. I, I realized, because I was thinking of it today, actually, I was I realized that it stuck with me more than I thought it had. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, I think I want to see that movie again. I think maybe I like that movie more than I thought. Yeah, it's it's one that I... I wrote it down because I had heard of it, and I... And it, it, Around around horror time, uh, yeah, Halloween and all that sort of thing, um, or as I like to call it, horror time. That's <laughs> um, which the witching hour, you know. Um, uh, people talk about it, it mm-hmm. or it's been talked about more recently. I don't yeah. know. Maybe it well, just, it got a, it got a Criterion Blu-ray that, thing recently, and that's probably why people were talking about it. Um, but then you also get Splendor in the Grass and uh, Yojimbo. Fun fact: My sophomore year of uh, high school, or was it uh, freshman? I think it was sophomore year of high school. Um, there were, uh, they did a number of plays, including Splendor in the Grass and West Side Story. <gasps> Isn't that interesting? That fact wasn't, was in fact fun. Indeed. <laughs> um, I know people like to hear about my exploits. Uh, I wasn't in either one of them. Yeah, I was I was say, in, that's not even an exploit. It was, it, you know, of it, must have, it must have been my freshman year because. They weren't big on giving freshmen uh, ah, parts. Yeah. So I was not in either one, but I did get like a five-line uh, uh, part in Look Homeward Angel. Uh, there you which go. was actually a very good play. Um, and then la- uh, another uh, another big movie that came out was Yojimbo. Um, mm-hmm. So looking at these, uh, I've actually I started watching Yojimbo uh, a while ago and then stopped and forgot to return to it. <laughs> but I liked what I saw, and I, yeah. I, I like that story. That's a good um, That's one of my favorite uh kurosawa ones and that's that's like full-on dashel hammett at that point like that's red harvest that's glass key it's the guy stuck in the middle of two warring gangs yeah. and that sort of thing yeah um and uh but i would say of these um having not seen your jimbo and have not having not seen king of kings despite a listener actually sending me a copy on blu-ray um I need to watch, but I I don't know how long it is. I'm going to assume it's super long. I haven't seen it either. Well, it's Cecil B. DeMille, right? Oh, there you go. Yeah. Um, Last Year at Marienbad is a really great movie. It's not best picture type. Yeah, it's one of those films that's so striking and very memorable, but it's it's not one that you pop in because you're like, oh, that would be fun to watch. It's not... It's not a crowd pleaser, really, but it. I, I I tend to have a whole lot of respect for movies like that that just do something so different than what we can expect and kind of challenge the idea of what a film even is. Yeah. Um, and I really like those movies in that respect, but I don't, you know, they're not made to watch that often, you know? Yeah, I, I saw last year at Marienbad in... Uh in college, hated it at the time, <laughs> did not know, because I had a very limited view of what narrative could be and should be. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you come to realize that like, oh no, movie making, maybe more so than any other art form, can really make you question what consciousness is, what perception is, yeah, what memory is, um, you know, and last year at Marionbot is, is all of that yeah and um and so it's, it's a movie i've really come to treasure but at the same time i'll probably see it maybe once more over the course of my life and i think i'll be fine not because it's a difficult movie you know it's no. not like it's you know uh solo or something like that yeah um it's 
it's just not like you said it's not a casual view it's not the avengers right yeah and i wouldn't i wouldn't pop it in at like 11 30 at night either right. that's probably um Although you would have very whimsical dreams, boy, would you? Um, so yeah, looking at this, uh, I, I'm I'm definitely fine with West Side Story winning Best Picture, and uh, you know, listeners, if you haven't seen it, uh, check it out. It's definitely worth watching. Um, I'd say get it on Blu-ray. I watch it on Blu-ray. Um, or if it's playing at a, if it winds up coming to a, a theater uh, in your area, you know, I assume New York, Chicago, and Los Angeles. It might happen on a regular basis. And it um, is this year is what sixty five years. So Oh yeah, it is. I think um I guess that explains it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, uh my cat wants in and that's how we know the episode is over. So thank you everybody, uh for listening, uh, please do go to alphomegacon.com and check out the details there uh, and come and see us uh, on September 24th. Uh, in the meantime, thank you everybody for listening. Josh, thanks for uh, thanks for coming. You're welcome. We'll catch you next time. Bye.